0: I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch.
1: And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guest today is Neil Chowdhury, who is the Director of AI Implementations at the AI Center of Excellence within the General Services Administration, GSA. Hi, Neil. Thanks so much for joining us on the AI Today podcast.
2: I'm so happy to be here today and just enjoy all our lovely conversations, even if they are offline. So thank you for giving me an opportunity to come on board and just have a great conversation with you and Kathleen.
0: Welcome, Neil, and thanks so much for joining us today. We're excited for this conversation as well. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and your current role at GSA's Center of Excellence.
2: Yes. So I have been a federal employee for 20 years, almost a lifetime. I spent my first 10 years as a logistics officer in the United States Army and the next 10 in the national security space. I transitioned from the military to federal service as a presidential management fellow in 2009, and my expertise and background at that time was always operational research and statistical analysis. I came onto government, and I somehow got roped into the technology space. I began my federal career implementing big ERPs or helping implement big ERPs, Along my uh, career, I've been very fortunate to serve multiple roles and be able to see further on the shoulders of giants, as they say. The types of roles that I have had in the past are Deputy Chief Strategy Officer, Chief of Staff for International Affairs, Associate Director for Enterprise Analytics, and Director for Systems and Innovation. And that path brought me over to the AI Centers of Excellence that were recently stood up in the General Services Administration. So in my current role, I advise federal agencies on best practices to implement AI tools and platforms in a sustainable manner. And basically, I am very fortunate that I have other peers in the centers with expertise in AI infrastructure, platforms, AI software, and AI services. And what I do is I leverage their skill sets to provide all our federal partners with achievable implementation strategies that operationalize AI effectively. And I know that's a mouthful and that's sort of where I am now. Thank
1: you. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, we've definitely been looking quite a bit at the implementations of AI within the government. And that's a lot of what we do here at AI today, you know, is looking at these implementations and use cases across what we call the seven patterns of AI. And of course, we also spend a lot of time looking specifically at AI within the public sector. As many folks know, Kathleen and I are also the hosts of the AI in government event series, which uh, used to be only in person. But nowadays, it's been online. And actually, it's been fantastic online because now we get so many more attendees and so many more interesting presenters and move beyond just, say, federal government to state and local international as well. So it's been fantastic. But looking specifically at the public sector and the federal government in general, you know, it's made AI a priority, which is fantastic because we know it's transformative value from everything we've been listening to. So where do you see federal agencies today in their AI adoption? So one thing that, you know, a lot of people
2: don't recognize is that, you know, federal agencies are very constrained. You know, they have at least 538 stakeholders that all have different opinions on what AI means and what AI Is a priority. What part of AI is a priority? So there are parts of the federal government that are more risk averse than others just because of their mission set. So those federal agencies for the most part taking a wait and see approach on advanced AI infrastructure at the current time. That doesn't mean that they're not conducting proof of concepts or pilots. It's just that with all their technical infrastructure and their critical mission set, they can't stop what they're doing. So they're taking a really wait-and-see approach to make sure that the technology is at a readiness level where it can be implemented seamlessly in support of the mission and supporting the public. So, you know, what that means from a practical perspective is that agencies are piloting the use of very specific tools that help with their mission set such as chatbots, robotic process automation, advanced analytic tools, predictive modeling, you know, and everything almost as a precursor to prescriptive modeling and simulation so you could reduce the time that it takes to make actionable decisions. That's where I see this space in general. Thank you.
0: Yeah, you know, it's great to see where agencies are now because a lot of people think that the government is behind with adoption and implementation of technology, but we have not seen that with artificial intelligence. As Ron mentioned, we run the AI and Government event series, and you can find that at AI if you'd like to learn more. We run that monthly, and each month we have different presenters come and talk about how they're actually doing AI now within a federal space. But the federal government can also learn from industry as well. And so we found that through the use of webinars and other interactive platforms, you know, it's able for companies to be able to share exactly what they're doing. So if you guys, our listeners are interested in any webinars that we've put on, we encourage you to go to cognolytica.com to check that out. As a government agency, though, adoption of new technologies such as artificial intelligence can bring about some unique challenges that the private sector doesn't always run into. These could be issues around data privacy, data usage, things of that nature. So can you talk to us about some of the challenges that you've seen with AI in your agency and maybe other agencies as well? I know that you have a broad range of experience in the federal government and how these agencies are overcoming these challenges.
2: So I'll preface this, my answer with expectation management, right? When people who share data with the government have a much, much higher expectation of privacy than those who share it with private companies. So we, you know, in, in government, for your listeners that are not aware of it, in addition to, you know, security classifications, data is also classified as PII, uh, personally identifiable information, SPII, PHI and CUI. And what that means is different classifications because you don't want folks that have no business knowing more about you, digging through your life, through government records and trying to target you. So for the way it works in government is that we take for every new AI program, project or activity, it begins with conducting a privacy threshold assessment in that what data are we collect do we need to collect it is it available from another source right another government source and what is the impact of collecting that data and safeguarding that data to ensure it's not being misused so that's really the government you know we have to take a much more holistic view of data than a company in the private sector that has a much higher risk threshold so the challenges that I see with many gov- program managers in government is that they're looking at the private sector, going out there and doing amazing things in AI and with data. And they look and say, you know, these PTAs and PIAs, what they are, are roadblocks to me and I just need to execute a mission. And they're really unaware of the authorities provided to them under federal acquisition regulations that can help them manage and protect their data or data that, you know, citizens provide to them in order to enable citizen services. So one of the first things I do when I work with my partners is to ensure that They don't see, you know, these things that we do, the privacy threshold assessment or the privacy impact assessments as roadblocks, but as levers to success because we know we're doing the right thing. We are using the minimum amount of data required to provide services to our citizens and to our partners. So, you know, that's one of the things we do. The other piece that we do is we also ensure that that risk model for AI is really well defined at the start of the program. And, you know, once we get past that initial hurdle, we start to see those really exponential results and the programs just start rolling they just pick up pace really fast so thank you
1: yeah i think that that's fantastic i mean you know it's interesting we have this conversations about privacy you know it's funny because we talk about ai but the conversation really is about data and we're talking about privacy, because that's a concern for most people, especially since machines can be trained from this data. So it's really very important. You know, going along with it is the idea, of of course, trustworthiness and explainability and transparency. And, you know, one of the things that we've been really excited to work with, Anil and others, is part of Cognolytica's participation as working group chairs of an organization called ATAR, was this creation of a transparency assessment a multi-factor way of really understanding when you're consuming a model, just how much visibility do you have into that model, how it was created, the training data that was provided to it, all these various different factors. And I know that as an organization, ATARC is working to contribute that to a standards organization. So hopefully we could find its way into products. But just in general, beyond the transparency assessment, you know, how does the government look at trustworthiness and transparency and explainability of AI and ensure that the AI systems are built with citizen trust in mind,
2: it's a very complicated question. It's a very layered question. So, thank you for putting me on the spot. I appreciate that. So, but you know, trust in the ability of AI is really critical to the widespread adoption of AI in the federal government. You know, and specifically the AI that helps improve the delivery of government services in an inclusive, equitable, and sustainable manner. So citizens interacting with the government must have total faith that all the information and computing technologies used to make inherently governmental decisions such as, you know, taking are very transparent in the manner that the process is conducted so that the decision-making can be traced and replicated if necessary. So, you know, that's really at the core of this is trust in the algorithms that are transparent and also reproducible that, you know, with the same inputs, we can get the exact same output at any given time. Thank you.
0: Yeah, you know, this was a very insightful podcast and we liked hearing about All the different ways that you shared the federal government is adopting AI and especially around trustworthy and transparent AI. So we always like to end our podcasts by talking about what do you believe the future of AI is in general and its application to organizations, governments and beyond.
2: So, you know, I've been a program manager, too. I've been a leader. You know, I've taken on many different roles in government. So I'm not a technologist by trade. The way I look at things is it's a people, process, then technology problem, right? Or whatever we're trying to solve. And at the core of everything I look at, every solution I look at, I look at the people aspect to it. And, you know, unless you consider the people aspect to it, I think whatever solution you come up with is already a non-starter, So when I look at AI in government as a means to improve delivery of citizen services, I really describe it instead of artificial intelligence as, but I describe it as augmented intelligence, you know, and what it is, is it's a human in the loop. And these systems, these augmented intelligence systems are there to help improve the efficiency and effectiveness of the delivery So it's almost like taking a person, a federal employee who's very good at their job, and you're saying, here, I can give you a number, I can augment what you do with a bunch of virtual assistants, and here, they'll help you put your files together, they'll get you all the things in the correct order so you can make decisions faster, right? But you're always, it's about the human in the loop and on the loop in that decision-making. It's not A binary algorithm making decisions, a person making a decision. So that's really the key to mass adoption and acceptance in government is that AI has to be trustworthy, transparent in addition to being useful. And that really begins with the mindset that it's not a means to replace the federal workforce, but it says a means to augment the federal workforce.
1: Thank you. Yeah, that's great. You know, that's something we're going to spend a little more time digging into augmented intelligence and just in general some of these interesting use cases on our bonus episode. For those of you that are listening to the AI Today podcast right now, as you all may know, we also have extra questions that we always ask our guests in our AI Today bonus episodes. You can access that by going to aitoday.live and registering as a Cognolytica user, which will give you access to all of the AI Today bonus episodes, plus of course all the other great content from Cognolytica and our newsletter uh, called AI Today, which covers all the stuff happening in AI. So, Neil, this has been fantastic. You've provided a lot of really great insight and the podcast some fantastic answers and you know some really unique discussion points on data privacy and transparency. I don't think we've really heard too much on from our friends in the government. So, thank you so much for joining us here today. No, this is
2: always a pleasure Ron and Kathleen. Yeah, I'll do it for free anytime again. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter, and more, please visit our website at com.